Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz. Just gone midday. Great to have your company here on the call for the next hour or so. We take a look at 10 stocks that you've suggested our two experts on the panel today give their opinion on. I come up with a stock of the day, something that's been in the news. Uh, welcoming James Rosenberg from Bayviews with us. James, how are you, sir? Very good well, David. You. Good to see you. Uh, and Rob Collett from Macro is with us. Rob, good yep. to see you again. You too, James. Uh, how are you guys reading the market at the moment? Um, Rob, is it a, uh, in a, particularly in America, they're all excited about their economic stimulus. They've gone big but gone late. Right. We went big and went early, so it's about time something came across there. Yeah, yeah. Look, we are still uh, modestly bullish on the market. Um, we're making sure we're not carrying too much tech at the moment. Uh, this latest push we're seeing in tech in the last two days, we think is probably going to be one of the last pushes for a little while. Right. Um, you know, as so if, get out of your tech. Yeah, pretty much. Look, look to lighten it at the very least. Yeah. Right. Okay. James. David, clearly, economies around the world are recovering. Central banks and governments continue to be very supportive. Yep. The flip side is there's now the fear of uh, interest rates starting to rise and from incredibly low levels. I saw on thing on Twitter a week or so ago, apologies, I don't recall who to, uh, who to uh, shout out to, but um, basically saying that, you know, 30 years ago when your parents bought a 10-year uh, government bond and sitting there, you know, you know the 10% yield and now they're saying if, my port if interest rates get to 2%, my portfolio is going to get blown up. <laughs> and um, yep. when there's that much leverage, it never ends well. Um, a couple of things, though. Um, Reserve Bank, basically Philip Lowe, saying don't believe the bond markets because mm. we're not mm. going to put up interest mm. rates till 2024 20, uh, at all. And also, I, I put that very the leverage issue, very much to Matt Common from the Commonwealth Bank when a couple of weeks ago. And he said the good signs for him, no investors in the property market mm. and their margin lending at Comsec is basically at all time lows. So they've really cleaned it all leveraging. up, haven't they? Yeah. And, and, um, and, that's, and that's great, and that's but, good. But, but governments are heavily leveraged. Yeah. Oh, yes. um, yeah, a yeah. lot of corporations, uh, yeah. not all of them, yeah. And that's an easy game to play when money's cheap and asset prices yeah. are rising. Yeah, but yeah. when it stops, when the music stops, you don't have a seat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had one fund manager the other week say he saw it as the, the new roaring 20s. I said, well, that's great, but <laughs> I'm not that old, but I can remember what happened at the end of the last roaring 
Roaring Twenties and we don't want a depression. <laughs> I am currently rereading a fabulous book on that era called Once in Golconda. Oh. Gol- Golconda was a mythical town in India that it was the Midas story. Everyone right. walked through the gates, became golden, and that was the mindset of Wall Street right. in the 1920s. And it is a fabulous book yeah. with some brilliant stories. Yeah. Oh. Highly recommend it. Nothing to disclose. Uh, and a really old one that I read as a cadet journal and recently reread again, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. Uh, back in those times too. It's Wonderful. A, a classic, isn't it? Yeah. All right, um, let's uh, take a look at the stock of the day and airlines are in firm focus today as the government unveils a $1.2 billion boost to tourism as the JobKeeper subsidy sets to wind back at the end of the month, uh, offering half-priced flights from April 1 to over a dozen tourist areas. Uh, The package also includes support to keep 8,600 international workers employed between April and the end of October. In return, airlines need to provide monthly assurances to government updating them on the progress of the flights. Uh, Flight Centre Chief Executive Screw Turner, Graham Turner, saying the new package is all pretty disappointing. Uh, 800,000 tickets will only equate to up to two weeks of normal domestic travel. didn't realise that. Um, Quote, it's a very small, very meagre package at best. Um, Rob, what do you think of the, the impact of the package on some of the travel stocks? Yeah, um, it'd be nice to say $1.2 billion doesn't mean much. I'd like to be in that kind of position. <laughs> um, of course, this um, announcement from the Australian government comes on the back of the US government uh, putting out their $1.9 trillion package, which included a $14 billion payroll assistance to the US airlines as well. Right. So everyone's trying to keep all the, the planes flying. Obviously, that should be good for Flight Centre. Um, it's not the preferred stock for us in this sector. If, if we were in it, we would hold it. We'd have no problems with that. Yeah. Uh, we'd actually prefer clients be in something like a Webjet. Um, right. It's got a much better cash burn. Uh, the runway rate is a lot better. It goes out five years. They've already shown uh, institutions are very keen to get behind them. Uh, they did a raising here domestically, about $300 million. Uh, did a, a debt raising over in Europe when COVID first started for 100 million euros as well. Um, So yeah, we'd prefer to be uh, in the Webjet space, but um, look, nothing wrong with Flight Centre. You can hold it, Mm -hmm. it should come good over time. Um, Yeah, uh, the other thing, if you wanted to make a play on the regional uh, airline carriers, which is what this package is really designed to do to keep uh, people moving into the regional areas, have a look at uh, QZ, uh, sorry, AQZ. uh, it's another airline company that's... Oh, Alliance? Um, yeah, that, that looks to go out there, that direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, Alliance, uh, the last 12 months, has been the most profitable airline in the world. It's been amazing. Yeah, yeah sort of part mining services yes. <laughs> company yeah. as well, which is underpinned it. Yeah. Uh, James, what do you think of Flight Centre and, and the travel stocks? Yeah, I agree with what, agree with what um, Rob said. I find it... Um, someone's going to be wrong. The Flight yeah. Centre stock's up about 8 or 9% today, so yeah, the market's up a wrong do- or, or, up a uh, Mr Turner is. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> there's going to be enormous pent-up demand, yeah. and um, everyone I know is desperately keen to travel again where they can, and whether that's interstate or overseas. And a business like Flight Centre have cut enormous costs out of their business. Yep. They've closed a lot of sort of marginally performing stores, and um, they're going to emerge in an environment where a lot of their competition has left the industry. Hmm. Now, some of them can come back pretty quickly, yeah. but th- they are going to be in a real sweet spot at some point in time. We can all oh. guess when that will be. Um, this federal government announcement certainly is a, is a boost. Yep. Um, whether it's as much of a boost as the market's telling you, will time will we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see. The stock 
given the rise that it's had and the big dilution they had last year when they had that cap raising, it's probably about fair price at the moment. But for a long-term investor, um, it's a wonderful founder business. Mm. And, and uh, still heavily led by the founder. Heavily too, so. led by the founder. And, and as I said earlier, huge pent-up demand. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I quite like it. I'm, yep. you know, would buy for the longer term. Nicer to buy it a bit earlier, but... Um, yeah, uh, yeah. As you say, up a dollar seventy-six so far today. All right, let's um, take a look at the ten stocks uh, you want us to take a look at. And uh, June wants a view on CarSales.com. Um, James, uh, I noticed Goldman Sachs recently put out a, a, a big broker upgrade on them with a price up, uh, price target of twenty-two dollars sixty. Um, they see a, a big increase in. Um, in profits over the over the next 12 months. What do you think of Castle? Yeah, it's a really well-run business. Again, it's a founder-led business. <clears throat> They've got a first mover advantage in their little part of the of the industry. Yep. They've expanded their um, pretty easily leverage uh, technology through um, into Korea and or South Korea, of course, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> and, and much of South America, Mexico, yeah. Chile, um, yep. Argentina. <clears throat> It's a really, really good business. It was a difficult year for them uh, in the first half of the calendar year last year. Um, a very strong bounce back as people started spending money and not on holidays. Yeah. Um, we've seen that with um, new car sales have been very strong as have as the used car market. Um, I, I'd like it. Um, I'd prefer to, it to be a bit a bit cheaper. It's not wickedly expensive. It's sort right. of about fair value at the moment. Um, but yeah, good business. Okay, uh, so yes from you on car sales, Rob, what about you? Um, look, we'd actually look to lighten a position if we had one in, in car sales. Uh, look, for the technicians out there, uh, we've recently witnessed the share price drop below the 200 day moving average, which is always a concern for us. Right. Um, when their half yearly results came out, the stock was up at about 22 and a half. It's faded all the way back down to 18. Um, why we don't particularly, why we're not that fond of it would be because um, they're more about the used car market and we would prefer people who wanting to have this kind of exposure shift towards the uh, new car market. Oh. And uh, car centre only has about 20% uh, of the inventory is new cars, yep. which I guess is comparable for you know, a quasi um, revenue model. Oh. So um, yeah, look, we prefer clients look to take up a stock called uh, AP Eagers, oh, yeah. which is all about the new car space. Right. Um, with, with the uh, used car vehicles, actually they've seen um, their prices peak in October last year, and that was the fourth consecutive all-time high, which was actually 32% higher than 12 months ago. So it right. seems to us as though um, that used car space has kind of had its big boom. Right. It's going to kind of plateau out from There's here. There's still a supply shortage on new cars though, isn't there? Exactly right, which is why something like an AP Eagers should um, work out, because people will see the massive price rise on the used cars, the new cars still relatively low, and so they'll just look to do a, a rotation and start buying new right. cars rather than the used so cars. So you reckon Goldman Sachs is getting a bit ahead of itself if it's got a 2260 price target on it? Yeah, yeah, right. we, we wouldn't be seeing either way. Don't just buy AP Eagers shares, go to one of their dealerships and actually buy a car. Uh, the chairman and biggest shareholder is Nick Politis, who's the chairman of the, <laughs> the Mighty Roosters. We want to keep Nick, <laughs> Nick, Nick fed and pumping money into the club. All yeah. right, yes, you're showing your, your bias there. All right, James, thank you for that. Uh, Pacific Smiles Group, uh, uh, Rob, uh, another Rob, wants a view on it. It operates dental centres uh, and practices um, right around the country. 
Basically, they get their fees on providing services to dentists, don't they? Sort of platforms and marketing and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, obviously, they're looking to see people go back and get the dentistry work, um, you know, checkups, teeth cleaning, fillings, extractions, etc. Um, look, in the most recent price action we've seen in the market, the, the shares actually uh, slid back down to around the $2.60 level, uh, which would be normal. Uh, it's a bit of an arbitrage play. They came out with a share purchase plan, which was at the $2.60 level, right. so that was expected. Um, there's not really much benefit um, one way or the other for shareholders, whether they participate or not. We'd suggest that if you're actually wanting to be in the company, you're probably better just to give your money directly to the company through the share purchase plan. At least you're supporting the company right. rather than paying an existing shareholder to get out. Right. Um, that being said, share purchase plan doesn't guarantee you an allocation size. Yeah. Um, the other thing though, whilst we do kind of like this space, it's a, a quasi healthcare discretionary name. Uh, you know, it's a non-essential service that they're providing. Uh, we actually think that there's a lot more room for recovery in electric elective surgery. So um, mm. moving into something like a HLS would be much more preferred right. for our, our clients. Okay. So am I right in, you know how we have the insurance roll-ups um, uh, companies listed where they sort of just try and get more insurance brokers to come under the, uh, the one uh, umbrella. Is that the same here with Pacific Smiles? Is that what they do? They roll up dentists and say, hey, join our general marketing and yeah. um, get onto our systems and you pay us a fee and we'll make the admin a whole lot easier for you. Yeah, that's right. They opened up eight new centres in the first half. Um, they've now got um, about 470,000 appointments booked and 620 wow. dentists you know, covering those wow. appointments. There's a lot of dentists, isn't it? Sure so is. If only they could come up with a silent drill. That would be yeah. my <laughs> absolute wish. So who do you prefer rather? Um, just for um, a moment, HLS? HLS, yeah. Right. Um, David, if you're a dentist, okay. what's the biggest cost in your business? Biggest cost? Oh, it's certainly not magazines. I'll tell you what it is. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not being a dentist. Right. So the time you spend oh, doing right. yeah, yeah. office work, doing yep. um, accounting, doing HR, doing yep. payroll, appointments, yep. marketing. And what these guys, you're right, it is a roll-up business. And, yep. and what they do is they go and buy existing practices and say to the dentists, We'll take all that time off your hands and do that for you, and you spend more time creating misery for, you know, <laughs> James Rosenberg or give, David give you a Koch. smile. But do they actually buy? Yeah, they do. The dentist, yes, right. They do. So yeah. it gives an exit for the dentist yep. who stays on. Stays on, right. And in many cases, they uh, may take some equity ah, in, in the firm. Right. So it's, it's quite okay. a good business model. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my preference would be uh, One Three Hundred Smiles, which is a very similar right. business, right. but it's a founder-led business. Right. The CEO Daryl Holmes is a really um, it, you read his annual letter, and it's it's it could have been written by Warren Buffett. It's very much oh. the same mindset. It's plain, simple language, and he is slowly building a business over time. He's not going to overpay for something, and the right. concern when. Uh, Pacific Smiles came that they'd sort of be competing and yeah. prices would be rising. There's so many dentists or be like, that be, be like those um, childcare roll-up. Yeah, that's right. That you end up paying yep. too much exactly. for and exactly. That hasn't and happened uh, right. to date. Uh, my preference would would be uh, would be mm, one three hundred, okay. but I'd have no problem with Pacific Smiles. Um, <clears throat> they also do the um, NIB branded. Ah, dentist right. practices. Right. Yeah, okay. Quite a good business. Okay. All right. There you go, Rob. Um, some good direction there from uh, from both Rob and James. Um, James Charles wants a view on Reese, the big 
plumbing, heating, waterworks business. Uh, um, We've got some at Monovale, I think there's a big Reese plumbing store, but they also do direct to the trade and and construction. And that's the point. And again, like being a dentist, your big cost is when you're not dentisting. Um, The big cost of plumbing is when you're not plumbing. And generally, that is because they can't get whatever equipment they need. And so Reese has got the biggest footprint in Australia and New Zealand. They've got the biggest product um, availability. Right. So if you're a plumber and you need to get a whatever it is, bang, you I go straight it. to Reese right. uh, because you know they've got a going to have. <coughs> it's not a founder company, but it's mm-hmm. a founder mentality company. And the descendants right. of the original, um, oh, I wrote his name down. Um, the original Harold Wilson, 101 years later, are still running it. They're still running the way it has been oh. for decades. Right. Um, it is a fabulous, fabulous business. The question mark is that they've made a big acquisition in the US a couple of years ago, a business called Morsco. Now, would that be a, uh, let's look at that five-year chart. Uh, can you bring that up again, Gotham? Um, It'll surprise you. Would, would that be that big drop there? <laughs> No. A couple of years ago? I would say it was a few years before that. Right. Ah, um, okay. And, and my memory may be incorrect right. because they had a capital raising and the stock absolutely boomed. Right. Um, okay. After that. So it's possible. Yep. But yeah, yeah, look, yeah. I, I can't think what else it would be. Yeah. But the difference so with Morsco is that in Australia and New Zealand, they are the go to. They're the number one by a country mile. Right. In the US, in those Sunbelt states, they're the number three player. And it's a very ah. different mindset from the way you run your business. I'm not saying they can't do it. Um, I love the fact that the family have put their own money in it, some $300 million. So, you know, they're, 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 they're very committed. Yeah. Um, but it is a different mindset. The positive to that is that Sunbelt is a much faster growing area and uh, than your population growth and household uh, building, <coughs> excuse me, than you're getting in Australia and New Zealand. So right. um, I'd be prepared to back them, but the, um, that, that's your risk. It's also not cheap. It's had a pretty good run, mm. um, but you know historically it's a business that's had high return on equity, um, very modest to no debt, really really well run. They run right. a tight and very efficient ship. Okay, all right. Yeah, look, um, we do like the sector. Uh, however, we think that uh, Reese is probably stretched on the valuation side at the moment. Uh, the current yield, you know, being impacted by COVID, is uh, pretty low. It's about zero point seven two percent. Um, the PE ratio, as James said, you know, it's, it's very high. It's nearly double the sector. It's about 41.5. The sector's at 19.4. Um, they make uh, about just over half their money coming from the US, about 51.9%, versus the Australian uh, New Zealand site, is 48.1%. So mm-hmm. you do have some potential uh, currency concerns there. Um, we'd actually prefer clients have a look at something like a Reliance Worldwide, which I think was spoken about on your show oh, yes. yeah, uh, yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you know, basically, they also have global uh, revenue, so there's um, some currency risk there as well. But these results that came out uh, recently, they're all very good. Um, they were, you know, basically slightly above consensus, uh, consensus estimates. We had revenue up 10%, EBITDA up 26%, net profits up 13 
Um, so it all looks pretty good. Significant cash balance sheet, uh, 952 million. So um, it's a good business, very solid, exactly what James said. But um, as far as buying into it at these levels, we, we look for a pullback instead. It just seems stretched at the moment. Okay. And if you want that kind of uh, exposure, have a look at uh, Reliance Worldwide, RWC. Okay. Great. Uh, Love the business, hate the price. Yep. Yeah. As, as a buyer, as a buyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, but uh, if you've been in it, You've had a, a pretty good run. Yeah. Um, uh, Rob Sam wants a view on Iron Ear, the, uh, the big lithium or, or company. They're developing uh, a uh, lithium project in Nevada in the United States. Just completed an $80 million placement. It was fully underwritten. Had some big international institutions uh, involved in it as well. And they're going to put that capital to uh, developing that Rhyolite Ridge uh, project in the US. Yeah, uh, so look, similarly to um, Reese, uh, it's, it's what the valuation tells us here. Uh, we've got them as a uh, $700 million market cap at the moment. Uh, there's planned capex of about $1 billion. Uh, the current project that they've got running for them has a uh, net present value of about $1.67 billion. So it appears to us as though the value is fully priced in. Um, also, you know, not being a, a revenue generating company at the moment, but having such a large um, valuation means that if they don't deliver, there's significant downside. Um, there's two plays that I think I'd prefer my clients to have a look at. Number one would be an ETF called ACDC. We've been in it for clients for some time. Oh, wow. Picked it up in September, hit price targets in December. Um, it's a broad lithium play. Uh, it includes Tesla as its largest weighted uh, position. Obviously, Tesla went gangbusters yeah. up 40% in November. Um, as far as a direct... Love the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. ACDC. Um, look, if, as, if te Tesla fails, you'll be on a highway to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Boom, boom. Um, look, as far as a direct lithium play, we would still prefer a company called Pan Asian Metals. Uh, we supported them during a pre-IPO. We were involved right. in the IPO as well. Uh, they've got some great projects over in Southeast Asia. It's only a small market cap company, around about 10 million. Uh, mm. And so the idea is if they're actually going to find the lithium and extract it, and, uh, there's a lot more bang for your buck there. It could be, you know, two, three, four times uh, right. your money if they, they do what they're saying they think they can do. So okay. for us, uh, Pan Asian Metals, if you want it to be direct exposure to lithium, otherwise ACDC if you just want a broader exposure mm. to it. Okay. Um, and there are so many lithium companies oh, and pops. Pop Lith their head out. Lithium's, now, lithium's not a rare commodity. No. It, it, it's common as mark. There's just never really been a use for it until yeah. relatively recently. If I want to have exposure to that sector, I would own mineral resources, and right. I do. Yeah. Um, Chris Ellison, it's a much broader business, of course. A yeah. lot of contract crushing of ore yeah. for um, Rio and Gina Reinhardt and Andrew yeah. Forrest. Um, but again, founder-led company, a very, very entrepreneurial man. He bought uh, Mount Marion for I think thirty something million dollars. Might have spent a hundred on it. Started was the first to produce lithium. While oh. lots of people were gonna gonna gonna, realised he was getting this much for the lithium, and he would have got that much for the processed spodumene. So he kept producing it and not selling it. Looked around the world, partnered with uh, Albemarle, the big American company, and sold a fifty percent stake for one point three billion. Okay, he's That's a very very good operator. And um, yes, it's not a pure lithium exposure, yeah. but if I wanted lithium, um, that's what I so would buy, so it's and I have done. Interesting, a number of our experts on the calls uh, portfolio, whenever a lithium stock comes up, they either say, 
the ACDC ETF or mineral resources because um, it's such a risky play. Lithium, as you yes. say, lithium, a bit like rare earths, which are not rare, lithium's not rare either. It's better to have a bit of a portfolio, which sort of mineral resources You're does. sometimes guessed Howard Coleman um, said that um, they're called rare earths. It, it's yeah. a it's a complete marketing name. Yeah, yeah. They used to be called really mined earths because yeah, yeah. they were really mined yeah. um, because there was no use for them. But yeah. but it's common as mark. Yeah. Um, and it's not difficult a, to mine. A big, a big issue is a lot of it's in China, is that sure. which is yeah. reducing it. So, yeah. sort of companies with uh, projects outside of China are attracting a bit of attention. Okay. Um, Adam James wants a view on uh, Silver Lake Resources, uh, gold producing and exploration company um, in Western Australia with the Mount Munga operation. Now, I noticed Macquarie has put out some research recently with, with a price target of 240 for uh, Silver Lake Resources. So Silver Lake um, Golden Copper Explorer, um, yeah. recently profitable, about four or five years they've been profitable, which is good. Um, the stock's come down a long way in the last little bit. Gold in Australian dollar terms has come down from roughly $2,800 to roughly $2,200, yep. which is $600 of margin. And if yep. you're making $1,000 an ounce, that's a hell of a big margin that you're, um, that, that you're losing. Yep. Of course, when, um, when the price comes down, um, the good operators will tend to mine the worst quality ore I'm yeah. uh, oh, sorry, when the price goes up, they run the less quality ore. Um, and when the price is up, they'll mine the lower quality ore because yeah. it's uh, more profitable. Therefore, you extend the mine life. Look, I, I, it's a play on gold. It's a play on the Aussie dollar. It's not one that would be on my radar. If you've got a positive view on, on the gold price in Australian dollar terms, it's probably not a bad one to buy. Um, but I wouldn't. Okay. Rob? Yeah, look, if you've got a long-term view, you know, north of uh, six months, um, sure, you know, it's one of the uh, better gold names that are out there. Um, 98%, 98.9% of its revenue is gold, 1.1% from copper. Um, if you're looking more for the copper play, we'd actually go to something like a uh, Oz Minerals has 92% copper. I think that's probably more likely to be in vogue in the shorter term. Right. Copper rather than gold. Yeah, right. exactly yeah. right. But as far as uh, you know, this gold name goes, all in sustainable costs for about uh, 1500 bucks uh, an ounce. Uh, realised gold price is about 2400 They've got a quite a good hedge book going on at the moment, so they've hedged out at about uh, $2,233 bucks an ounce uh, mm -hmm. moving forward. So, um, you know, they've got some positive things there. Uh, from a technician's point of view, again, we fell below the 200-day moving average, came back up to that, um, got sold off really harshly at the $2 level. We're back down at $1.60. I can't see it reaching $2.40 for a long, long time. Right. Uh, one of the issues you're going to have just with the whole gold sector <coughs> in general is um, it's not going to come back into vogue until uh, inflation fears come through. Mm. And so I think really you're going to have to wait for the stimulus package to be rolled out over in the US, um, wait for you know three, four months for data points to start to come out showing the effects of that stimulus package. And I think at that point in time, there'll be headlines about you know, concerns about maybe rising uh, inflation. Uh, and at that point in time, maybe gold comes back in vogue. But until then, we'd be quite happy just to take gold off the portfolio. Right. Okay. And because um, uh, that was an interesting comment out of Philip Lowe yesterday as well, saying um, we won't adjust interest rates 
until inflation actually gets into the two to three uh, percent band. Not talking about getting there, but it's on the way there mm. until it gets there and stays there for a couple of months. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty definite on that because everyone's talking about inflation fears coming back and the whole thing. And he, I'd, from my translation of it, he was saying, well, you can speculate all you like. We're not going to do anything yeah. until it actually gets there and stays there. Yeah, look, the risk is, you know, historically you'll see that um, when they start pulling all the different levers to manage inflation, there's always a lag effect. So um, mm. what may actually happen if he sticks to his word and waits for inflation to get into the target range, by the time he pulls the lever to try and maintain it there, it'll be too late, we'll pop through the other too side late. and then there'll be panic in the market. So mm. if you want to get into gold at that point in time, go for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gee, inflation. That'll be hard to get used to, won't it? Haven't been there for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wages going up because of inflation. Oh, my God. Awesome. Uh, that'll be a, a, a totally different mindset for most of us at the moment. But inflation's um, a very personal thing because we all spend money on different things. And some yeah, things, yeah, yeah. if you're wanting to buy a house, inflation's through the roof. Mm. Um, mm. But for you know, with technology, um, it has yeah. a very deflationary effect. Yeah, so TVs. It's, exactly. you know, yeah. Depends skeptical on the, basket. On the overall also. basket, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, let's take a look at, um, uh, just recap the first five stocks. Stock of the day was Flight Centre. Um, Rob Brood would prefer Webjet. Um, James quite likes Flight Centre. Good company, good founder led. Uh, car sales, a yes from James. Rob pr- would prefer AP Eagers, which is new cars rather than car sales, mainly um, uh, used cars. Specific Smiles. Um, uh, James doesn't mind it, but prefers 1300 Smiles as an alternative. And um, Rob prefers HLS. Uh, Reese, um, a yes from James, likes Reese, but doesn't like the price at the moment, but good company. Um, uh, Rob would prefer uh, Alliance. Ioneer, um, Rob uh, would prefer the ETF um, of lithium um, miners called ACDC uh, or PanAsia um, as an alternative, a smaller one. Uh, and James would prefer mineral resources because you're really getting into not only lithium, uh, but a portfolio of uh, different metals as well. And Silver Lake resources are no from both. Um, here on the call, uh, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner Nad Trade. Uh, any stocks that get two thumbs up from both our experts on the panel goes into the portfolio. If it comes up again and doesn't get the unanimous thumbs up, it goes out of the portfolio. Let's see how it's going. Weekly, uh, last week it's down half a percent for the month, uh, down 3% and since the 1st of July up 22.5%. Now, uh, some of the stocks recently added by our expert panels, Dragon Tail Systems, Vista Group, IDP Education, Integral Diagnostics, and Qantas, some of the stocks removed, the Bandeck, Vectors, China, New Economy ETF, Macquarie Group, and Bravura. If you want to look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up on The Pulse, uh, in our next hour, we speak to Barry Finnan, the Chief Executive of Amero, as the company's share price jumps the uh, highest in half a year thanks to a partnership with Rio. Barry is going to uh, explain all about that partnership and what it means for the company at 1.50pm Eastern. If you can't see it live, you can always catch up on the AusBiz uh, platform. All right, 
Can I just add one thing about car sales? Yep. Um, just about the new cars. Car dealers selling new cars pretty much have to be at car sales. They, it, yep. When you go looking for a car, you go to search and you'll find a dealer, whatever. Yep. They get less money because they only get effectively a referral fee. Yep, um, but mm -hmm. but uh, they get more money from selling people listing used cars. But yeah. it's they have to be there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, um, James Shahana wants a view on IAG, the big general insurer over the last year or two. It's probably been in the ugliest of uh, ugly sectors um, under a bit of pressure, pressure recently um, uh, uh, with a lot of people worried about its exposure to the uh, green seal capital uh, collapse, which is something they absolutely don't need. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I quite like the business. Um, right. I think there are better insurers to have, but I quite like it. But they've had a difficult time. Oh, and you know, go back 14 months, the bushfires and... Um, then you know, it, imagine running a general insurer. Oh, it's going to be one of the worst sectors. Would to not be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, because no, everything. No, I don't well, agree everything with Everything comes out of the blue. I don't agree with that. The really good ones do really well. And look okay. at look at Geico, which is owned by Berkshire. Oh yeah. An absolutely yeah. fabulous yeah, yeah, business. Yeah. And if point. I had to own uh, an insurer, I'd own do Berkshire, and I yeah. do. Yeah. Um, but the um, so basically they collect everyone's insurance for cars and houses and you yep. know all the different things we insure for and they sit on the money until they have to pay you out yep so um, what they do with that money in the meantime is a part of their overall investment performance generally speaking they're sort of partly investment companies partly insurance companies yeah, yeah. but and they're they're forced to put it in and they're, they're forced conservative investment exactly and the returns on those horrible. have been horrible yeah so it is difficult if you want, and, and yes, there are issues around Greensill, and there's always issues in yeah. some part of the sector. When it's things like the bushfires, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's horrible at the time, but they can then go and increase the premium, and you know okay. it's pretty hard to argue against. Um, but if you want something that's sort of a, a bit counter-cyclical, and if you're thinking that interest rates might start to rise over time, the sector mightn't be a bad Right. play because if, if interest rates rise they'll get a they better get a return, return on, on the premiums your they're, they're car insurance right. premium while they wait yep. till you bring your car yep um the um if, while there are the sort of risks that you talked about earlier you know you, you're gonna have to be very careful and if you're right. I, you know i don't know anything about shahana but if, if you're um if you're um concerned about near-term performance then probably sit on the sidelines. Okay. Yeah, look, I think James has nailed it. Uh, company specifics, uh, you know, it's been absolutely monstered with bushfires and storms and claims. You know, all those uh, events that they're trying to, you know, take, you know, people's money for in the event that it happens, they've all happened, they've all happened at once. Um, look, we actually like the space, um, you know, as James said, if anything that's got exposure to that uh, rising uh, tail of, on the uh, yield curve would be good. So we're seeing 10-year uh, bonds starting to increase on the yield. So that should be good for anything in the insurance space. Um, however, um, not this company. It was removed from the ASX 200 in December. They did a $650 million raising in November at 505. Um, I don't see them recovering anytime soon. Uh, if you want to be in this space, we'd prefer to look at something like QBE. Right, look at that, a five-year low. Yeah. And it looks as though, uh, Rob, uh, Gonham, can we just bring up that five-year chart again? You, 
you've been talking a bit about charts yep. um, um, today, as you always do, which I'm yep. fascinated in. But but it's really testing that five-year low of only six months ago. If it drops below that, what do charters go? Oh, it keeps sinking, or yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, where we can see in early 2000 and. 20 when, when COVID hit it broke through uh, what would have been a nice line of support going yeah. back to mid um, 2018 it just coincided with breaking the 200 day moving average which we talk about a lot uh, investors need to understand that the 200 day moving average is like the the level at which institutions will buy the stock if it's coming mm. down to that level or it's the level at which they'll start selling the stock if the price starts rallying from underneath so it takes quite a bit of momentum to either break through that from the up or the downside right. so we're always got a preference for our um, you know clients oh, to be invested in stocks that are on the positive side of the 200 day moving average as far as where this price could end up you know if it continues to decline I think it's, it's an easy four dollars um, could could anything in that 320 to four dollar range is where it could ultimately end up wow. um, whereas you look at something like QBE it's uh, actually just recently broken to the upside of the 200 um, in theory they should be doing very similar businesses mm. you know as James said you know, um, you know the richest man in the world for a long long time um, got that way by owning uh, insurance businesses yeah. you know it's get get your actuaries out there to crunch the numbers and and, and uses that, that money as a float for all the other investments yeah. that he that oh, he has so um, sort of the bank yeah, yeah. It, which but also sits on 130 billion in cash which is a drag on the overall performance but really good for Geico because if you're going to insure with anyone, you want to make damn sure that that company's going yeah. to be around and have money when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's positives and negatives for the likes of Berkshire. It's similar to like a running a casino. You know, everyone knows you go to a casino and the roulette wheel and there's, you know, 36 numbers plus a double zero and it only pays you out 36 to one. So the odds are just slightly tilted in their favour. And we've seen the performance of Crown shares back in the day when Kerry Pack was around. Yeah. And then what used to blow their numbers out would be these big whales who'd come in from, you know, Asia and have big, yeah. big wins on a night. They'd clean up a couple of hundred million dollars. Uh, and from an insurance sector, it's really like those bushfires, the storms. That's like the big whales coming and just blowing their models right. out temporarily. Okay. But long term, if it's a really well-run company uh, and they're investing the money wisely that they're picking up on all the premiums, they should be, should be doing really well. The fact that these guys have a low share price tells me they're not doing it well enough. There's two small things I'd add. One is mentioning Berkshire. Berkshire a few years ago wanted to make an investment in Australasia and I don't know how many companies there are listed in our region. The one they chose was IAG. Yeah. Uh, they've got three and a half percent or something. It's not massive and it's tiny in Berkshire's world right, yeah. but it is interesting that that's the one they chose. Right. The other thing I was going to mention um, about the COVID period, um, when we had lockdown it was actually quite good for a lot of their business because um, you know we're all working from home. Burglars weren't out, you know, trying to creep in when you're and there. We, we, we certainly weren't praying our cars. Oh, yeah. um, you know, less workers' compensation claims and all that sort of thing. So there are pros and cons. Um, I agree with Rob. I just. But isn't it funny? It looks so ugly, and so bad. You sit there and go, ah, oh, gee, breaking down. That can no, be the time to, to yeah. <laughs> can be the time to buy these businesses, but in the moment, particularly while there's the green sill that you mentioned, you yeah, know, yeah. it's not for the faint-hearted. No, yeah. probably do well over time. Yeah, yeah. if you're a short-term trader, this green sill is going to give you lots of volatility. You can actually get in there and trade it. Um, it dropped ten percent on the news that green sill had filed for bankruptcy, and then they came out and said, no, no, no look, we actually sold our exposure to them to Tokyo Marine back in yeah. uh, 9th of April last year or two years ago now, right. 2019. So. Um, look, it's going to be really volatile. 
volatile until people are 100% okay. sure that they've Good found the risk. Tokyo anyway. Marine. Yeah, How yeah. many times have I used them, you know, QBE when they had all those disasters a decade ago? <laughs> we saw that in Tokyo Marine. Everyone needs a whipping boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, really good discussion on IAG there. Thanks for the uh, suggestion, Shahana. Um, now, Chris, uh, Rob wants a view on BWX, the uh, natural beauty products business. Um, by the look of it, done some pretty good deals um, over the last few months. They're getting into Woolworths. Uh, they've done a deal with the Hut Group um, to launch some websites. Um, got into Walmart and Chemist Warehouse Group uh, with some of their brands. Uh, brands include Sukin, Andalau Naturals, Mineral Fusion, um, ones I'm not um, terribly aware of, but I do see in the in the kitchen on, yep. the, on the, the other side of the vanity. Yep. Oh, Not look. that she needs any of it. <laughs> Good save. Um, yeah, look, the, the most recent um, announcement with the strategic partnership with uh, Chemist Warehouse has been the catalyst in the short term that sent the share price up. Um, it's a five-year deal. Um, they're becoming a platinum supplier. Um, you know, they're supplying those products that you mentioned, which yeah. uh, the niche is that they're all natural skincare products. They're vegan-free. They're animal cruelty-free. So, you know, as we're becoming a lot more aware of, you know, the way in which these products are tested, uh, they're carving out a nice little niche for themselves. The results were really good. Uh, revenue was up 25%, EBITDA 44%, NPAT up 59%, even popped their dividend by 44%. So we actually quite like the space. It should be pretty good uh, for someone to get into. Okay, so yes from here? Yeah, we'd accumulate it. Okay. Sure. I didn't know they were vegan. Um, yeah. I was down in Canberra the week before last, took my daughter out to dinner and a few of her friends, and one of whom announced she was a vegan. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, if they don't have, uh, if they don't have vegan options on the menu, we'll stop via a florist and get takeaway. <laughs> um, that would have gone down well. <laughs> I'm there to make friends. Um, look, yes, they've made some good announcements that hopefully yeah. should be good in the future. But for me, take on trust. The company hasn't had positive earnings growth. They got very, very modest return on equity. If you wanted to be in the sector, um, I don't alter beauty in the US. Fabulous business, absolutely brilliant business. Had a difficult year with COVID, yeah. um, but really good business. You know, I, I would and do own it. Um, right. Far better business, strong, strong profit growth, high return on equity. Right. I, I think James made a really important point on that margin. I was a little bit concerned when I saw the margin was only 16.2%. I thought that on a beauty product business, your margins be a lot more. Um, now, maybe the margins are slightly compressed because they're focusing more on the wholesale distribution going through right. the likes of Chemist Warehouse, but that's definitely, I think, something just to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, the other thing but too- But sort of, uh, when you do a deal, uh, doing a deal with Woolies mm -hmm. and Chemist Warehouse, always read well, mm -hmm. but you can't help but have in your mind, gee, they screw you down a lot they on do. the market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, so you've got to it's great for cash flow and, yes. and, and for negotiating with your suppliers and so forth, but you don't make a lot of money out of nah. it. Yeah. And I think the other thing you want to keep an eye on here is um, the amount of money they're now putting towards uh, marketing investments. It's now up right. to about, um, it's growing at about 14% year on year. Okay. And you know, you have these social media influencers who come out and pick a product and you know, in that whole beauty range, it's potentially susceptible to yeah. you know, a rival brand being supported by one of these influencers. You know, Kim right. Kardashian comes out and next thing you know, your sales go down the tube. So, right. so I know, the only careful. thing I know about the Kardashians is that one of them is, has got a lipstick brand in Ulta Beauty. <laughs> right. And that's you're in Ulta Beauty? That's my yeah, some yeah. whole knowledge of the Kardashians. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
Mr. All current right. affairs. Uh, Shanabas, um, Rob wants a view on Megaport. Uh, she says, I'm holding 2,000 shares of Megaport, which I purchased at $15.92. I'd like to know if I should continue to hold or sell them at a considerable loss. I'm aware that currently the tech sector is falling, but I need some advice from the expert panel, of course. Uh, it's the uh, big global provider of internet connections, fiber, all that sort of stuff that, um, that hooks up data centers. Yeah, yeah, so instead of having to connect to individual uh, providers, cloud computing um, you know, facilities, you go to them and they everyone connects to them. So it's just one convenient location. Um, look, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of the Megaport, can I just say to the viewer who wrote in, uh, it really appears to me that her question should be more about uh, management of the portfolio and the risk she's taking. So um, there's nothing wrong with investing in a company, you know, say Megaport at 15.92. The stock's down 11.52, so you're down $4.40. It's a 27% hit. But for this particular kind of company, your allocation size shouldn't have been any more than 3 to 5%, generally yeah. speaking, for a retail investor. That means your portfolio as a whole has only taken a hit between you know, 80 and 138 basis points, which yeah. isn't that big, right. which means you shouldn't then be married to the position. You can easily take a 27% loss because um, you know, it, where you have the biggest damage to your portfolio is where you don't take a 27% 27% uh, you know, hit because you're thinking about 27%, not the portfolio impact, That's which is 0.8%. That's a really 0. good 8%. point. That's a really good way of thinking because Shadana there, um, or Shana um, Vaz would be thinking 27%, but if it's, as you say, it's just a minor part of the portfolio, just yeah. take the hit and Absolutely. put if, your work somewhere else. If it's a well-diversified portfolio with good yield, you know, you'll make up 1% pretty comfortably. And I guess yeah. that flows through then to, you know, when you are buying your shares, um, don't fall in love with them saying, I'm going to put you know, 50% of my money into this one stock. Because yeah. if you happen to get it wrong, and we all get it wrong uh, from time to time, you won't be able to recover your portfolio. Um, and again, look, just from a, if you wanted to use your technicals just to help you out here, again, we fell through the 200-day moving average uh, probably in about um, end of January this year. Right. Uh, and that rally we saw, the most right. recent rally uh, in February, actually hit the underside of the 200. That again, looks like institutions started selling it off. Uh, and the downside from here is actually uh, quite significant if it doesn't reverse quite, quite soon. So, um, look, we do believe it's um, one of the most strongest hit companies um, based on the systemic um, headwinds that it's facing. Yeah. Um, this COVID environment has uh, not allowed it to um, make the relationships and have the conversations with these other cloud company providers. Yeah. Um, when its announcements came out, it was actually pretty good. Stock popped about 7%, uh, revenue was up 65%, EBITDA was up 9%. What we've seen though is the share price declined by about 19%. But at the same time, we've seen the NASDAQ fall 11% and the right. ASX tech index decline 18%. So really, right. it's been more in line with the systemic sell-off we've seen rather yeah. than company-specific. The whole tech route. Um, last night in the US, it was a classic example. What Dow up 500 points, NASDAQ down. Yeah. Um, tech stocks down. So tech stocks have really been habit the last 
what three or four months as people shifting out. Yeah, which is which is as we said, you know, at the beginning of the show, you really want to be, uh, you know, we're instructing our clients to be lightning tech on this rally that we're thinking we're yeah. going to be seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the viewers' question is really should be focusing on that portfolio side yep. of things rather than the individual companies. Right. Yeah, there's a big rotation going on out Huge. of high growth, high PE companies. Yeah. Um, this company isn't a high growth company because they're not profitable. Um, um, the um, revenue growth's been pretty strong. It's not one that's on my radar. I don't have a deep understanding yeah. of the business. I think you made a fantastic point about portfolio management, Robin. And, and you know, for everyone, you know, yeah. it's really important to look at that. Um, the so many of us get caught up in that twenty percent in an individual stock, mm. and oh, I don't want to take a loss. Don't want to take a loss. Meanwhile, that could continue to go down and that money could be deployed in something that's going up. So you're better off looking at the whole thing. And I you know, applaud you for that, making that point. Um, the other thing is that I would say is it depends what sort of investor you are. Um, you know, if you're a trader, I don't know, I'm not a trader, maybe you'd you know, take the momentum and get out of it. Um, if you're a big believer, if you're a longer term investor and you're a big believer in the company, then you know, you, you write it out. Um, would yeah. be would be my view. I don't have a feel for it. It seems to me to be um, backing Bevan Slattery, who's had mm. some you know spectacular successes. Mm. But yeah, it's not for yeah. me. I, I can't. Yeah, you know, I'd need to know a lot more about. Um, yeah. And look, it's back to that. To, to Rob's point, it's back to that. Below the level it was just prior to the March crash mm. last year as well, was it? It's a little bit above the, the March. I think in the, in the bottom of the March uh, sell-off last year, we actually got down about $6. So yeah, it's recovered yeah, yeah. from there. But uh, most definitely is below all the recent kind of announcements that have come yeah. out. Okay. Um, look, it's, a, it's this quasi-tech slash consumer discretionary hybrid kind of play. Um, you know, I think a lot of the people who are sticking with the stock are doing so because the guidance is that they'll be EBITDA break-even um, in FY21. But uh, a lot of things have to break in their favour for that to happen. And the longer this COVID environment goes on, the the more difficult it's going to be for them to actually achieve that. And I think that's where the risk is. If they then come out and change their guide and say, you know what, we're not going to do it FY21, maybe FY22, the stock will get get smashed and you could revisit $7. Okay, but uh, break-even is a risk in itself. You know, you want to be NPAT break-even, you know. Profit before all your costs is pretty much revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, uh, James Chen wants a view on Virtus Health, which is the uh, reproductive services uh, group, runs day hospitals right across the eastern states, uh, fertility clinics, um, embryo laboratories, that sort of thing, medical diagnostics. Yeah, look, it's a business that is... um, for people who really need to use that service, it almost doesn't matter what you pay. Um, so it's um, it's quite good in that extent, yeah. but it's had almost no earnings growth pre-COVID. Obviously last year we will ex- excuse a lot of companies. Yeah. Um, return on equity was sort of low teens. It's, it's you know, pre-COVID it was just under 11. I'm not negative on it. I just can't get enthusiastic. Um, yep. I, I wouldn't buy it. I, yep. There's nothing in there that excites me. Okay, Rob. 
Yeah, look, the, the trend is actually uh, pretty decent, but it's quite elevated. If you've got it, just continue to hold it. Uh, we wouldn't actually step in and buy it at these levels. So it looks to be fairly priced. It's got a price earnings multiple of 31.2. The sector's at 32.4. Uh, margins are decent at 21%. Uh, 80% of revenue comes from Australia, 20% internationally. So not a huge uh, mm. exposure there to uh, currency. Um, look, it is a post-COVID recovery play as well as um, you know, it's a little bit of elective surgery um, demand increases. Um, but again, like we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, we would prefer to take something like uh, Helios, the HLS, which is really a lot more upside in elective surgeries sure. than uh, what the fertility experts okay. do. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Chen. And our final stock, uh, Rob uh, Gill wants a view on Shopping Centres Australasia Property Group, a real estate investment trust, a REIT, but uh, mainly in um, regional um, areas and, and neighbourhood shopping centres rather than the, the big iconic uh, capital city shopping centres. Yeah. Um, it's not something that we're... Um, overly excited about at the moment um, you know if you want to be in the REIT sector we'd actually prefer clients look at um, Goodman Group GMG yeah. it's based on the assets that they hold uh, Goodman Group are focusing on the industrial space the warehouses you know it's our belief that in a post-COVID environment uh, businesses who have the digital footprint will expand uh, yeah. people who don't have the digital footprint will realize they need it to uh, survive moving forward uh, and that'll mean they'll need somewhere to warehouse all their, their goods. So uh, those kind of properties will come under demand, which should see Goodman Group maintaining a very good yield on their properties. Uh, and if they ever decided to sell one of their properties, they'd probably get a very good price for it. Okay. Whereas uh, this shopping centre business, look, 40% of their revenue comes from supermarkets. Um, I think we're already seeing a, a shift towards you know, home delivery. Uh, if we look over to the UK, we're seeing uh, automated delivery from driverless cars and robots mm. and things like that. Uh, I know Coles has spent a lot of money um, setting up uh, the infrastructure to do that here in Australia. Um, and so with that means maybe uh, less physical uh, footprints for the likes of Coles and Woolworths and things okay. like that. So not something where we'd want to be uh, at the moment. Uh, and if you want to take a REIT or a, a real estate position, go into Goodman Group. Good yeah, I'd agree with all of that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's um, If I had to have a REIT being in um, these regional uh, REITs that are dominated by the shops that you tend to go to, um, is a lot more stable in terms of their uh, in terms of their earnings um, you know good quality long-term tenants that are mm. even with technology changes people are always going to go there oh, it's just nothing to get excited about there's right. there's not much growth in there <coughs> um, when uh, bond yields do start to rise these sort of companies are going to be sold down they won't earn any less yeah. but, but it'll affect their valuation so I'm not negative on it, but I can't imagine a circumstance I'd be buying it. Okay. All right, let's just recap the uh, the final five stocks. Um, IAG, you know from James and Rob. Uh, Rob would prefer QBE in this space. Uh, BWX, the, uh, uh, the natural beauty healthcare uh, cosmetic group. Uh, a yes from Rob, a no from James. Megaport, a no from both. Uh, Virtus Health, a no, and Shopping Centres, a no. Rob would uh, prefer Goodman Group. 
Um, so a really good cross-section of stocks and companies today. Thank you so much for sending them in. James Rosenberg, thank you so much for Pleasure joining us from Bay News and Rob Collett from Macro. Always great to have you both on board. So. Appreciate it. Um, now that's our show for today. If you've got any stocks that you'd like our panel to uh, analyse, um, email them in. The call at oddsbiz.com.au or tweet us at using the at oddsbiztv handle. Reminder, if you want to see any of the stocks in the Calls Fantasy portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, Startup Daily Show coming up at uh, two o'clock. The team looks at all the uh, companies seeking capital, startup sector, scale up venture capital. Uh, the team's joined today by the Victorian Minister for Innovation and Digital Economy as she launches a new women's startup fund. Uh, so Jala Pulford is coming up and she might be able to give us an update on the health of Daniel Andrews as well. And if he's watching in the hospital, wish you well, mate. Um, that's all coming up on the Startup Daily Show at 2pm. So a lot happening for the rest of the afternoon. You don't want to miss a minute. Uh, we'll be back after the break. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.